Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. Acts chapter 19 today. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's a big deal for us Pentecostals, and I'll explain what that means here in just a couple of minutes. But I want to give you biblical precedence that it is possible to be saved but not baptized in the Spirit. It is possible to be a believer, yet not have fully been immersed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important that we understand this and that we have biblical grounds for this. And uh, we start by looking at the first church in Acts chapter 19. And I have a word for you today. First experience was something that I've never experienced in my 10 years as the lead pastor. And so I pray that God would do more than we ever asked for today. Acts chapter, one, Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast. Paul wanted a little coastal vacation. Where he found several what? Believers, they had already received the way of Jesus. They had come to the saving grace and knowledge of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I wonder how many of you today have believed your whole life but haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. You've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, but haven't received the Holy Spirit as the baptizer, as the power of Christ within you. Too many people have heard about Jesus, but have never been baptized in the Spirit. You came to a good church today. The reason you came to a good church today is because we not only believe in the saving grace of Jesus, but we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that he told us to wait for. You came to a Pentecostal church today. I used to skirt around it. Hey, what's your, we're charismatic, Pentecostal, unapologetically, we believe in the whole Bible, even the maps in the back, even the, even the table of contents. It is. The power of Christ within us is the Holy Spirit. And so today, we will be looking at what it means to be full of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of it. <laughs> you're full of it. What are you full of? You're full of it. I'm full of it. <laughs> I like this church. This church is full of it. <laughs> We're full of it. Let's pray. Dear God. Thank you for Jesus. Dear Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit, the advocate we cannot live without, the guide who leads us into repentance, the source of our dreams, visions, and prophetic pictures of your preferred future for us. We stand here today to celebrate the birth of the church and the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We do not take lightly the power that comes with believing and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit baptize us today those that haven't heard from you in a long time those that have never heard from those that have believed but never been baptized i pray that today would be an outpouring of your spirit like you did in the book of acts in the second chapter we ask you today 
to give us the unity that they had in order to experience the power that they experienced. Unite us today in the presence of God. This is our upper room birthday party. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. I grew up in an era where there was no net around the trampoline. It wasn't even a thing. It wasn't like you could buy the net as an option with the trampoline. When I grew up, there was no net on the trampoline. It was just the trampoline. Now, these days, if you skim through a neighborhood and you see a trampoline, you'll rarely find a trampoline without a net. (laughs) When I was growing up, uh, there was no bubble wrap. Kids didn't have cell phones. There was no location services. The closest thing to location services when I was growing up was a pile of bikes in someone's front yard. It was the only way you could find where your kid was at. You just walked around the neighborhood and you looked for a pile of bikes. If you found the pile of bikes, then you would more than likely find a pile of kids. I grew up in an era where you just played outside until the streetlights came on. I grew up in an era where you had a Lunchable and a Capri Sun and you hung out by the green electrical box in your buddy's front yard. You would look for old pieces of lumber and old pieces of two-by-fours and you would make shift a ramp and then you would take that pile of bikes and then try your best to jump on the ramp and no one really cared. I grew up in an era where diving boards were a thing. You would see no diving on on the ledge of the pool, the sign, and that meant nothing. It was almost beckoning you to find not just the diving board, but the highest, closest structure, roof of the pool house, get a ladder, pull the truck close, and do whatever you can to jump into the pool. We had very little conditioning when it comes to safety. And a lot of that culture has been lost in the church. We now want to experience God within the safety of our trampoline that it has a net on it. We've removed and disassembled the diving board, so we no longer want the deep things of God. We only want the shallow, the things that we can control. We want location services to know. I want to know when and where this service is going to end. Because I have somewhere to be. Don't you know that it's busy at Costco afternoon? Johnny has to get onto his travel baseball bus. And what we have done is we have caged the move of God. We've caged the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Mark Batterson in his book, Wild Goose Chase, says that Celtic Christians had a name for the Holy Spirit, the wild goose. The name hints at mystery. Much like a wild goose, the Spirit of God cannot be tracked or tamed. It has an element of danger, an air of unpredictability that surrounds him. While the name may sound a little sacrilegious, I cannot think of a better description of what it is like to follow the Spirit through life. It is a wild goose chase. Why have we stopped chasing the Spirit of God? And I want to make sure 
that I leave no ambiguity today. So what I'm going to do with our time together is divide it up into two parts. The first part will be ensuring that everyone understands the terminology because I grew up in a church where we never made room for anybody who might not understand the terms. And we spoke in Christianese for far too long. And so what I'm going to do is to try to give everyone a seat at the table. I want to make sure that the language we use is understandable so that when you have the experience that's not understandable, you can point it back to have language for it. It's important that we believe in it, that we that we start with a biblical foundation in order to have a Holy Spirit experience. We can't just jump to experience without biblical precedence. Many churches do. So let's talk about some terms so that we all have a level playing field for everyone who's here. If you're here for the first time, maybe you're here for the 40th time, maybe you're here for the last time. I don't know. The 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 first term is this is you need to know about Passover. Passover is Easter. It is Holy Week. It is the week of Easter. This would be salvation and grace for the people of God. Passover is a holiday where they remembered being set free from Egypt and the fact that when they put blood over the doorpost in the Old Testament and the angel of death passed over, they did not die. This now translates into our New Testament reality that when the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross, the death that you and I deserved is no longer ours to pay because the blood of Jesus has atoned. The ultimate sacrifice has been paid. Therefore, you and I no longer have to strive for or sacrifice for because our debts have been paid. So this is the blood of Jesus. It is the atonement for our sins. It has, we have been justified by the blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, Christ, our Passover what? Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. So they had been celebrating Passover for centuries, but then a new covenant in new blood comes on the scene and Jesus dies. Do you know the weekend that Jesus died? Passover weekend. Could they, could they have picked a different weekend? Possibly. But God is all-knowing and understood that they would be celebrating something that happened in the Old Testament, and they needed a new reality to be able to recognize that his blood was shed once and for all. So when we celebrate Passover, we don't just celebrate the Old Testament version, which means the angel of death passed by and the blood of a sacrifice, a lamb that we covered the door, kept us safe. But now we can celebrate a New Testament blood, which is Jesus Christ saved us and redeemed us. And if you have not experienced Passover for yourself, you came to the right place. You need to experience Passover. You need to experience the fact that you cannot do nothing to gain your salvation. There's nothing you can do. It was Jesus's blood. None of your blood can atone for your own sins. Jesus was the Passover lamb, the once and for all sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats will not suffice. The the blood of pigeons will not suffice. He was the ultimate sacrifice. That's why you don't see us selling pigeons or bulls or goats in the lobby. 
because there's nothing you can purchase that would atone for your sins. It has already been paid for on the cross. And if you are saved today, this is a good reminder that when the angel of death passes by your house, you won't have to die because you're covered by the blood of Jesus. This is Passover. Passover, so important. Jewish people understood this. They celebrated for centuries. Jesus comes in and he says, I'm establishing a new covenant in my blood meaning you no longer have to worry about sacrifice. The second word is spirit. Now, we live in a spiritual society, but very few understand the the nature of God's spirit. You go to a therapist and tarot cards and gemstones and all these other astrology. Be careful that you don't open doors to the occult, to witchcraft. Spiritual. I'm seeing a spiritual therapist. Is there a Bible on their desk? Are they, are they giving you advice that aligns with the scripture? Be careful. Be careful. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, which has similar meaning to the word ruach. Pneuma is to breathe. Primarily, it denotes the wind. It is wind in your sails. The spirit of God is wind in your sails. Have you ever been outside on a hot day, especially these days, you're working outside, you're like, I'm going to mulch the planter beds at the house, you know? It's hot. I'm going to reorganize the garage, you know? We did that yesterday. We reorganized the garage. I told my wife, I looked over at her, and I said, man, I love doing this with you. Can we do this forever? Can we just be those people that spend their Saturdays just organizing their garage? That's the kind of life I want to live. Mulch the beds, organize the garage. But if you've ever been outside on a hot day, one of the blessings that comes is when a breeze, it actually helps motivate you to remain in, at wherever you're at. But when it's hot and there's no wind, you've been to that church before? Everybody's fanning themselves? I've been to that church, but in the spirit, where there was no wind, there was no spirit, there was no breath of God. See, the spirit is the leader and the guider of your life. He will, if you ever done a sailboat, you, in order to sail on a sailboat, you must have wind in the sails. If not, you get stuck in, in a pattern that, in a direction that you don't want to go. So when the word does not provide you the clarity you need for the situation that you are in, you need to ask God for the for the spirit of God to show you which college to go to, for the spirit of God to show you if you should marry her or not, for the spirit of God to show you if you should sell your house or not, for the the ruach of God, the pneuma of God. Why? Because it is God's breath inside of you that is the spirit that will guide you. Many people doing things on their own accord. They lack the the ruach, the pneuma of God. So when we say spirit, what do we mean? We mean a presence that is not manufactured on our own. That's what you feel when you feel the worship here at this church. It's not goosebumps and good notes and good chords. It's not fancy lights and smoke and haze machines. It is the, the ruach of God. Because it's leading you and guiding you. It's drawing you near to him. And as you draw near to him, he he draws near to you. 
It's the breath in your lungs. It is the ruach, ruach of God. So when we say spirit, that's what we mean. We mean, we mean it's the breath of God. It's, it's, it's the ruach of God. The next word I want you to learn is Pentecost. It comes from the Greek meaning 50th. Do you know what today is? 50 days after Easter. That's why we celebrate it. It's Pentecost. Passover happened 50 days ago. So we have the Feast of Passover, we have the Feast of Pentecost, and then there's a third holiday called the Feast of Tabernacles, which is when we celebrate the return of Jesus. We don't celebrate that just yet because he hasn't come back yet. If he has, we're all sinners and haven't been saved. It's not too much mystery to the word Pentecost. I know if you were to Google it, you can get, like when you Google headache on WebMD, you're like, I got cancer. Oh, no. When you Google Pentecost, you can go a lot of different ways. But the, the, it's just a holiday that commemorates 50 days after Easter. And it is when God chose to pour out his spirit because he knew that there would be people from so many regions gathered back together. And in order to be efficient for the gospel... Instead of the outpouring happening to one person, he said I, it would be faster for the sake of the kingdom if they were all together anyways. If they're all at the house for Thanksgiving anyways, might as well pour out their spirit while they're all together. Because then when they scatter, when they go back to their homeland, when they go back to where they live, then they will have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and they will be more efficient in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. One of the reasons why we gather here is because we get built up in the faith. We get equipped to then go back to our houses, back to our neighborhoods, back to our schools, back to our, our, our places of work, and we can carry the spirit that falls on in here. Jesus understood that. He understood that there was power on Pentecost because it was more, if it would have just happened to one person, then it would have been their word against no one else's. But because he waited till they were all together in one place, in one accord, and he poured out his spirit, it's hard to deny it when it happens to 120 people. Way more credible. Jesus knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. So Pentecost means that we believe in the power that is displayed on Acts chapter 2, where tongues of fire came down and a mighty ruach, a strong and mighty wind, comes through the room and it says it filled the house where they were sitting and they all begin to speak in other tongues. We believe in that. We do not believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased, that they did not stop, that they are still available for everyone who believes. So that's what Pentecost means. Passover, Spirit, Pentecost. Next is baptism. What does it mean to be baptized? Baptized means to be immersed in, covered by, drowning in. That's what baptism means. There are three baptisms that take place in the life of every believer. We don't necessarily refer to them as baptisms all the time for all three, but these are basically three baptisms for every single believer, and I have scripture to show you. The first one is this, baptism into the body of Christ. This is salvation. 
salvation. If you've been saved today, you've been baptized into Christ, into, into the church, and into Christ Jesus. We don't say that. We say you've been saved, you believe, you confess, but you've been baptized into Jesus. Here's how I know. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free, but we have all been baptized into one body one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So if you are a believer today, you've been baptized into the body of Christ. Welcome to the family. Welcome. Welcome to the family. In Galatians 3, 26 to 27, it says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. If you are saved today, you should feel like you're popping tags out the TJ Maxx, like you just scored all of those last year's clothes for cheaper because salvation is like wearing new clothes. Who doesn't like wearing new clothes? It's because you haven't been saved. But once you've been saved, you know because salvation is a baptism into Christ meaning you can believe in Jesus Christ and you will remember what it feels like because you remember what it feels like to put on new clothes. Some of you remember what it feels like to put on new clothes pretty often. You always be shopping. Salvation is the first step to your spiritual journey. If you have never been saved before, I want to encourage you, receive the gift of salvation. Get baptized into the body of Christ. John 20, 19 through 22, Jesus appears to his disciples. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. That's a different sermon for a different day. But the Holy Spirit gives you boldness. If you are afraid of culture currently, it's because you're not baptized in the Spirit. These guys hadn't been baptized in the Spirit yet. Help me preach this, Lord. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And what happens? They were filled, full of it, filled with joy, and they saw the Lord. Again, he had to remind them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, what? These were disciples. They weren't already baptized in the Spirit? Apparently not. Jesus had to come back to them after he had saved them with his blood to empower them to receive the Spirit. Some of you are saved, but you have not received the Spirit. I came to preach to someone today who you're going to make it to heaven, but you haven't experienced the power that comes through the Holy Spirit, and you can't make it through Walmart. The disciples needed to be saved. Their sins were forgiven, but then they also needed to receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus comes back and says, my father has sent me, so I am sending you. He blows on them, breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with, I'm full of it. I'm full of it. They were filled with joy. In John 20, they're full of power. In Luke, in Luke 24, 49, it fills you with power. Even though they had, they had been saved, they had yet to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is possible to be saved and not have the Holy Spirit. 
Some people is messing with them right now. What do you mean? Well, there's three baptisms. The first baptism is you must be saved. In order to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you must first be baptized into Jesus. Acts 1, 3 through 5, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. If Jesus doesn't, raise, doesn't get raised from the dead, it doesn't matter. We're here null and void. We can't tell time. We can't tell the days of the, of the, of the week. We had nothing. But because he was who he said he was, and he proved to them that he was alive, everything has changed. And he talked to them about the kingdom. Once he was eating with them and commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, separate experience, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So you've been saved. You're an apostle. John has baptized you in water, which leads me to my second baptism. But there is a third baptism, which is in the spirit. So the first one is salvation. The second one is water baptism. This is public profession. If you are full of the grace of God when you get saved, then you are full of the proclamation of the good news when you get water baptized. You are proud to be a Christian. You are proclaiming the good news. It is a public display of a private change. It is the wedding ring you wear to show that you are connected and in covenant with Jesus. If you have been saved but haven't been water baptized, then you have a, 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 a private relationship without a public declaration. And I can't guarantee that the Holy Spirit will baptize you lest you be baptized in water. You must be baptized in water. It's a separate experience, though. Salvation is grace through the blood of Jesus. Water baptism is your decision to go public with that grace. Why is it separate? Because grace from salvation you cannot obtain. There's no steps to that. <laughs> but water baptism, you must be saved and you must step in to that. It's interesting, Acts 2.41 says this. I hope, you're, I hope this is helping someone today. Uh, those who believed what Peter said so they believed the gospel that Peter preached. They were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000. I don't know how many baptismal tanks they had. They had probably a body of water, enough to do multiple baptisms at a time because we'd be here for weeks trying to do 3,000 baptisms in our singular tank. It is a public declaration of a commitment that you have made. If you've been saved and haven't been water baptized, go to twointhetank.com. I believe we're doing some this summer and sign up to be water baptized. It is imperative that you get baptized in water. The third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I have to teach you, so thank you for bearing with me today. There is salvation, there is water baptism, and then there is baptism in the Holy Spirit. They are three separate experiences. This is to be full of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that they can't happen congruently. It doesn't mean that they can't happen on the same day, but they are three separate encounters. Three separate encounters. Acts 8, verse 12. But now, all the people believed. They believed. Philip's message about the good news, meaning they baptized into salvation concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Here it's talking about water baptism. So they believed. Then they were water baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. 
Notice that when you believe, you get water baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message. They believed. And then they sent Peter and John there. Why? Because there's more than what they bargained for. (laughs) As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to what? Well, they already believed. Is there any more to that? There is. Peter and John come in, clean up, and they say, all right, third baptism right here, right now. And it says that they prayed for these believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. Many of us stop at verse 15 and never allow the Holy Spirit to baptize us in power. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they what? I don't want you living without all that God has for you. I'd be doing you a disservice if I didn't teach you that there's more than what you bargained for. That salvation is fine, but baptism in water is great too. But there is a third baptism, and that is the baptism of the Spirit. Baptism of the Spirit has zero eternal purpose. You don't need to speak in tongues in heaven. You need to speak in tongues to drive down Capitol Boulevard. You don't need tongues in heaven. We will be singing, everyone will be singing the same song in heaven. The reason Jesus left us an advocate wasn't so that heaven would be better. It was so that earth would be full of power. And when you get baptized in the presence of God, in the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They are separate experiences. No one could prove me biblically otherwise. You get saved, you proclaim it publicly through water baptism, and then you wait on the Holy Ghost to fill you and to empower you so that you can do the things that the Great Commission has called you to do. Many signs and wonders will follow these that believe. Too many churches stopping people at water baptism. Yay! There's more. There's power. There's power. How did I learn Spanish? Not Rosetta Stone. Not YouTube videos. You know how I learned Spanish? My parents said, We're called to the mission field, we're going to Costa Rica. And they dropped me off at Costa Rica. I was nine years old. I had to learn by immersion. You want to learn a new language? You want to learn it fast? Go somewhere where they speak that language? Drop yourself off there? And then have to use the bathroom. You will quickly learn the language of the space that you are immersed in. How did you learn English? 
You learn English not at school. At school, they teach you grammar. They do not teach you English. You knew English before you went to school. Why? Because you were born into an immersive atmosphere that spoke a certain language. That's why when you come to this church, you are immersed in a presence-driven, Holy Ghost-filled house. Why? Because we want you baptized in what we're all immersed in. And when you're around it, you can't help but glorify God. You can't help but speak in tongues. You can't help but see signs, wonders, and miracles follow. Why? Because I'm learning it through immersion. Baptized in the Spirit. So why didn't I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was saved? Good question. Why didn't I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was saved? Because God did not want to mix what is free with what is required of you. God did not want to mix what is free, salvation, (laughs) with what is required of you, receiving the Holy Spirit. (laughs) You can't strive for salvation. You can receive the Holy Spirit. So what must I do to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I am so glad that you've asked. First, you have to remove the barriers. Many times the Spirit is limited by your flesh. Many times it's your own habitual lifestyle of unrepentant sin that limits the outpouring of the Spirit. There was unity in the upper room, and they were waiting on the Lord. They weren't on their phones scrolling on TikTok. They didn't have side chicks. They weren't cheating on their taxes. They were removing the barriers of everything that would limit an outpouring of God's Spirit, and they were prized and posed and waiting for an outpouring of the you got to remove the barriers. Remove the barriers. Change friend group. Go get a flip phone. I don't know what the barriers are for you. I know what they are for me. So I have to ensure that my input does not poison the outpouring. Movies you watch, music you listen to. This isn't a holiness message, but man, we could use it right now. Dear God, the amount amount of weak theology, the amount of weak theology in the world... Trust me, people these days have no idea what the Bible says. Don't let anyone that doesn't know the Bible convince you that the Spirit can't baptize you. Remove all barriers. The, the devil that tries to whisper in your ear that you can't be baptized in the Spirit. No, 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 no. I've been saved. I've been water baptized. And I will now be filled with the Holy Ghost. Remove the barriers. Then you need to request the gift of the Holy Spirit. Request the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remove and then request. Don't request if you have not removed. That's why it says when you take communion, examine yourself. Before you drink of this cup, before you, before you baptize yourself into the death of Jesus Christ, which is the blood and the bread, the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, be careful that you not drink judgment upon yourself. You have to remove the barriers. Then you request. Once you have said, I, I, I am, I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace, and I will not participate in those activities that lead me away from you. Instead, I want all of you, please give me the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says this in Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you give, will your Father in heaven give what? To who? To those who ask. Maybe you just haven't asked. Maybe it's just been a long time since you said, Holy Spirit, 
fill my house up. All this anger and anxiety, all this depression, all of this dysfunction, all of this CNN, Fox News, all of this, all of this chatter and talk, all this scrolling, fill me up with what matters most, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remove the barriers, request the gift, and then receive it by faith. Receive him by faith. It's going to require you to step out in faith. He will make you take a leap. He will make you step into unknown territory. You're, you're in heaven if you're saved. You're good. But I want you to have power here on earth. I want us to advance the kingdom with power. So take this step. Take this step. Remove the barriers. Request the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then receive it by faith. Meaning you just begin to cry out to God. And if he gives you a prayer language, he does it. If he gives you boldness to witness to your coworkers, he does it. If he, it's, it's a gift he wants you to receive, but you have to receive it. It's required of you to receive it by faith. Here's what happens as the band comes. The issue is, is we got sippy cup Christians. They consume it, but they're not consumed by it. That was a good service. What's for lunch? We don't have to go today. The kid stubbed his toe three days ago. He's still recovering. You know that they, you know they always go long on certain Sundays, so we don't, we don't. Yeah, we live in Garner and Clayton, but we don't have to join the launch team for South. We'll just go and when it's convenient. I know I just got paid and got a raise, but I'm just not going to give until I feel ready to give. Wouldn't it be weird if I went to dinner with you and I asked my wife, hey, would you grab my sippy cup? <laughs> Children in the spirit. Maybe you're grown here on earth, but you're a child in the spirit. And you're just sipping away whenever it's convenient. A little bit, a little bit in your heart, but you know. Then we got others, they're just, you know, kiddie pool Christians. They get their feet wet when it's convenient. They say, I'm, I'm wet, but I'm still in control. Meaning, like, don't mess up my hair. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do our devotions, but no real power. They, 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 they attend church regularly, but they haven't heard the voice of God in a long time. They're just kind of, if you cut them open, they, 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 they'd be surface level Christians. Like they listen to K-Love and they go to Chick-fil-A, but... But if they're ever challenged, if they're ever challenged, they just get up and go to the other church down the road. This is, this is, this is, when people leave our church, most of the time, they're either sippy cup or kiddie pool. Very few people have planted themselves in the house of the Lord. So they, they, they try to encounter all of God, but they still want the control. You can either have spiritual growth or control, but you can't have both. 
So we got ankle, ankle deep Christians. And then I'm reminded of what the prophet Ezekiel said in the 47th chapter. It says, a man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand and he measured off a thousand cubits. And then he led me through water that was ankle deep. Then he measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through water that was knee deep. And he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to my waist. And he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river I could not cross. And because the water had risen, it was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. There are sippy cup Christians. They consume it, but they are not consumed by it. There are kiddie pool Christians. They say, I'm wet, but I'm still in control. And then there is consumption that says, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what the world has to say. I choose ye this day whom you will serve. And I baptize. I baptize myself in the Spirit. Because when the Spirit is in the room, anything is possible. I'm not being judged by man. I'm being baptized by God. And the fire of God, when the fire of God comes, nothing is impossible for Him. All the things you thought of, everything. Put it on me and put it in me. Put it everywhere around me. Why? Because I choose today to be filled. Be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Lift your hands all across this place. God, we need you. Baptize us in your Spirit. Baptize us in your presence. Come on, would you begin to praise the Lord? Begin to cry out to God that he would baptize you again, that he would fill you again. Hallelujah, sing it out all I want. Thanks again for joining us and thank you to those who give generously to make this ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and hey, while you're at it, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories Tag us at My Focus Church. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.